Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. to Voice of Olympus. I'm your host, Hercules Invictus, and today is our special optimal wellness episode. I'm greatly honored to begin with Mythic Fitness. Uh, our guest is Michael Del Russi of Bold Spirits Holistic Concepts, and today's topic will be diet and supplementation. Greetings and welcome back to the show, Michael. Good evening, Hercules. It's great to be with you and the Hercules family. Thank you very much. Same here. Um, I greatly enjoyed your last few uh, podcasts, and I experimented with uh, some of the things that you uh, suggested. Uh, Still too soon to uh, gauge results, but it feels uh, very good uh, varying my workout in uh, this way. So uh, I'm looking forward to learning more today, especially about diet and supplementation, another area I'm, I'm playing with and focusing on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, and you're a fitness enthusiast. I know probably most of your audience is. I am as well. And, you know, we supplement probably for two reasons. One is whatever will enhance our exercise goals, our fitness goals. And secondly, I think we're all interested in the area of longevity. How can we enhance longevity here in the physical world? So I think when we talk about supplements and diet, of course, uh, it's a two-pronged approach uh, for those of us who are interested in, in fitness as well as longevity. And, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about the bicameral mind. I know you yes. have a keen interest in that concept as well. And, uh, you know, I think it's something, again, I think it's a subject matter that uh, really should be taught in all educational institutions because there's so much to learn from that in terms of thinking through both chambers of the mind. And, you know, it's uh, to me, it's a work in progress. It's a lifelong journey. It's not something we're born with. It's something we have to work toward. Uh, Some of us are naturally right-brained through genetics. Some of us are more left-brained, depending on what genetic uh, um, influence we've been been exposed to. And, of course, our societal 
uh, influence is a factor as well. So I think ideally when we, we're keenly aware of how to incorporate both hemispheres of the mind to make the, our best decisions, I think that's there we arrive at holistic mind. And I think that can take us to really more creative and uh, positive areas of thinking in our lives. And that's certainly true, I think, when it comes to medicine and uh, creative health. Uh, I think it's interesting, you may have noticed in the headlines lately, that we're hearing a lot about immunology and how they're fighting cancer through certain drugs that stimulate the immune system. Uh, what What I find interesting is that most holistic physicians for years have been talking about doing the same thing with natural substances. Uh, maitake mushroom, vitamin E, selenium, zinc, uh, and, 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 you know, the conventional community has taken a long time to uh, uh, jump on that bandwagon, if you will, and listen yes. to what was being taught by uh, holistic uh, researchers all, all over the country and all over the world. That's very true. Um, there's always new developments, and uh, medicine seems almost unrecognizable if you, you know, read uh, current articles. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, it, you know, it's just uh, it's just interesting that a lot of what the natural medicine people have been saying for years, now the conventional therapists are beginning to latch onto. So I think that's very interesting. Yeah, I think that's very interesting uh, as well. And trying to integrate the newer uh, stuff, the newer material, into the old-style uh, bodybuilding uh, that uh, we share passion for, um, that can sometimes be uh, very interesting. Absolutely. Uh, I know lately, too, even in terms of nitric oxide, you may have heard a lot the last couple of years about beetroot and how nitric oxide can, can stimulate uh, blood flow in the body, enhance oxygen, and which could uh, which could be a very positive uh, thing not only for uh, cardiovascular health, but in terms of bodybuilding and fitness. And uh, I believe in, in the efficacy of nitric oxide. We have a, a very tiny bit of it in our bodies, but we can enhance that through beetroot powder, is an, uh, uh, an amino acid called arginine which can okay. also not only enhance the pumping action of the heart, but also increases blood flow and circulation. So all of these things, I recently was talking to a heart patient who had congestive heart failure, and I recommended CoQ10, L-carnitine, arginine, and beetroot powder. And I said, by all means, uh, confer with your physician first, because even though, even though I hold the bachelor's of science in this area, I'm not a licensed practitioner, and in some states I can be arrested. <laughs> but, you know, that's, yeah, uh, no, that is what it is. So we do it as a ministry, and we do it because we love it. Yeah, the, the disclaimers are important in our, our society. I put one up uh, before each show, uh, just mm-hmm. basically saying that, uh, you know, we're exchanging information, we're talking about topics, uh, um, what the information is uh, true for us, but uh, it may not be true for everybody. So, yeah, exercise caution. Uh, right. So uh, right. I understand. Um, right. So right. now, is there a good form of arginine uh, to take or uh, um, a good form of uh, nitric oxide? Because I experimented with uh, uh, some, uh, like, uh, uh, store-bought uh, brands last right. year. 
and I gave each one like a month trial, mm-hmm. and the the results were not dramatic. Maybe I was uh, how much should I be taking, and how is there like a, a better grade, a pharmaceutical grade uh, that would be more conducive to experimentation? Uh, what exactly were you using? Were you using the arginine? Yes, L-arginine. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was using uh, uh, BCAAs and also nitric oxide uh, pills, uh, right. both separately right. and in conjunction. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of times when we uh, when we uh, uh, research natural medicine, it is a matter of hit and miss. Uh, you yes. know, we can take the dosage that's recommended on the bottles and on the containers, but the fact of the matter is. Uh, many times we have to do our own experimentation, so we have to m- maybe take more than the recommended dosage. So you know it's and the same thing is really true with drugs. I mean the way they arrive at drugs is they use they have a certain study group, and uh, with you utilizing their study group as a vehicle, uh, they determine what the dosage of a certain medication would be appropriate. But we know that many times you're taking a medication. Well, it may not be. It may be enough. It may be too much. I know a personal case. A friend of mine, her doctor recommended her to take a certain level of a high blood pressure medication. Well, because she has orthostatic uh, blood pressure problem, which means when you stand up, your blood pressure drops. When you sit down, your blood pressure goes up. She was using the recommended dosage, and she was on the verge of passing out day after day. So she had to utilize her creative thinking, her creative mind, if you will, and figure out maybe I should cut the dosage in half. Maybe. And things have worked a little bit better for her since she's done, done that because her doctor, frankly, wasn't listening. So I would say if you didn't notice any dramatic changes with these supplements, you might have to experiment with the dosages a little bit. Uh, most okay. name brand, most uh, uh, well-known vitamin companies are reputable, uh, and the yeah. product is most of the time is a, a quality product. So I would say if you didn't, if you're a little disappointed in the results, um, experiment a little bit with the dosages. But I think it would still behoove all of us to take some kind of a nitric oxide uh, supplement on a regular basis because it is very good for the heart and for the cardiovascular system. I will resume my experimentation uh, forthwith because, uh, um, again, some things like uh, CLA and uh, lutein, I had like uh, results in a very short amount of time. You know, every time I've started or stopped, you know, it, I could uh, rely on that. Uh, I used to have great results with zinc, uh, but then I read some reports that uh, uh, zinc in uh, high dosages uh, is uh, toxic. So I didn't want to put myself in a toxic uh, condition with uh, my uh, you know, larger doses of zinc, so I cut back. And, of course, all the benefits uh, uh, went away once I cut back. Right. Well, zinc usually, from my own experience and research, 50 milligrams a day is about right. And it's very true. You, uh, zinc and selenium, both are you know, just uh, fantastic substances when it comes to uh, preserving and enhancing our health. Uh, selenium, especially when combined with vitamin E, is known to have powerful antioxidant qualities and have been shown in many studies to slow down the growth of tumors, cancers, and what have you. However, if you take too much of either selenium or zinc, it can suppress the immune system. Yes. So the 
So the proper dosage for zinc usually, uh, from a standard point of view, is about 50 milligrams a day. And uh, as for selenium, about 100 ICUs a day uh, would be about right. Uh, so, you know, again, yes, with they're fantastic natural healers, but they can have the opposite effect if you take too much. And, uh, you know, it's funny, and even with vitamin D, now there's been so much positive news about vitamin D, a lot of positive news. But I noticed that some of these uh, positive reports have failed to mention that if you take too much vitamin D, vitamin D3 included, it can create a calcification in the arteries. I've noticed Ooh. that most of, most, of the, the, most of the researchers, if you will, the convention, have not mentioned that. So it, it can leach calcium into the arteries. So vitamin D is an, of, uh, an excellent, excellent, and I, I would say to people, for the most part, have no fear, but don't go crazy with it. Probably take right. what's recommended on the bottle when it comes to vitamin D because it can leach calcium into the arteries, which can have a deleterious effect on your health. So, again, you know, it's a matter of common sense utilizing your creative mind based on what you're learning and then moving on from there. And fitness, uh, if it's a passion, it takes up your whole life <laughs> or a lot of Absolutely. your life. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm training someone right now and she exercises very hard. She's in her 50s. She's really dedicated to the exercise. But however, uh, she just cannot for the life of Riley adhere to a cleaner diet. And no, no diet is perfect. But I'm talking about she just she falls off the wagon every other day eating a lot of processed foods, and she socializes a lot. And I told her, I said, this has to be a way of life. Does my face look fat this week, Michael? I said, no, look, it's not a matter of that. You're in your 50s. This is a lifestyle change. Food can be enjoyed. A clean diet can be enjoyed. You have to shift the area of consciousness which says, I can eat clean and still enjoy these foods. With a little experiment, beans and tuna and fish and you know, but it's so hard to get her, so hard to get her to get to that, this mode of thinking. So as what you I said, yeah, it's a lifestyle choice and it's a constant challenge. Th- that it is. And uh, it, it is a lifestyle choice, as you point out. And as you've also pointed out, it's other um, uh, people who are more aware of uh, these things than I am have pointed out that it is a process of experimentation. It's a journey. It's your road. And you have mm-hmm. to discover through experimentation what works for you and what uh, doesn't work. One of the things I found that works for me in terms of the diet is that um, if I do cheat for whatever reason, I've been away from home all day, so I'm not going to get you know, clean food and yet I have to consume some calories. Um, right. I don't let that derail my whole uh, diet. So it's like, okay, I cheated for this meal. <laughs> so let it go. Right. And just go back straight on the diet. So this way... Uh, what happens, happens. I noticed before, and it wasn't only with food, but it was with cigarettes when I used to smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately, I haven't done that in a very long time. Uh, but it, it's like you slip and have one cigarette, and then all of a sudden it's, you go out and buy a pack. Instead of just, okay, I smoked a cigarette. Uh, what do you call it? I, I, I lasted for 20 hours. Now let's see if I can make it to 21. You know, and just keep going and let that incident, uh, you know, go. So th- right. that I found, tackling that has been most helpful for me. Right. Okay. Well, you have de- you have developed the internal no. discipline. Uh, you have developed the internal discipline to uh, to be able to accomplish that, and that's what we have to do. 
And uh, the, the people try so hard, and sometimes you know it takes them a while to develop that internal discipline. And it, it, it's it's a work in progress, but that's what's needed, you know. And and it's worth it. It's the price we pay at the end of the day, it's worth it. it the journey yeah. is definitely worth it. The, the journey is definitely uh, worth it. Um, I. Uh, as the champion of our mayor's uh, wellness campaign, I made a few promises. And one of them is that I would share what I'm doing. Um, and uh, I've been doing that. That's why I've been doing that on Facebook. You know, just basically this is what I'm doing uh, you know, on a daily basis, just to share the, the journey with others. Um, in the past, we had uh, created groups so that people can join uh, in. Uh, but alas, my time is not as available as it was before, so I can't do that right now. But I will at some point. Um, mm -hmm. But I find that sh sharing the journey, like we're sharing our journeys by talking, and then we're sharing it with other people by uh, broadcasting it. So uh, this information is very helpful because uh, if you just follow a book or a system, a lot of times – the author's personal experience doesn't enter into it. And then people, again, they feel that they failed and they beat themselves up and then the vicious cycle starts all over again. Exactly. So what I, uh, that's why I, you know, whenever we get together, I would just like to, uh, you know, share some breaking news on some studies that might be beneficial be awesome. to your audience. And uh, uh, I'll briefly share a study, a brand new study with you. Uh, okay. With low-carb diets have been tied to heart rhythm disorders. And mm. uh, what's, inter yeah, what's interesting here is back in the 70s, I don't know if you remember this, and I mentioned this to an, uh, a holistic doctor in New York City who I've been debating now for some time. He has a holistic center out there. That I, the liquid protein diet was very much in vogue amongst uh, bodybuilders and fitness and weight loss uh, individuals alike. Uh, and uh, what happened was uh, people were dying of heart failure uh, be on, being on this diet. It was basically liquid protein and uh, water <laughs> and, 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 and uh, meats and steaks and what have you. People were dying, and the reason people were dying, as it turned out, was because, well, there was very little glucose in the body that was enabling the heart and brain and, and cardiovascular fung uh, systems to work properly, properly. People were suffering from AFib, and people were dropping dead. And wow. a warning came out from the American Heart Association and the FDA uh, that this diet is very dangerous. And I remember that fad so well. And I tried to remind this doctor in New York of that, but I don't think he was really listening. And he's, he's around my age, so I know he's old enough to remember. So, again... Uh, a new study, a study has come out from the American Car College of Cardiology, and it's been shown that a low-carb diet could be tied to affibrillation in the heart, which is the most common type of heart disorder. And the reason why is the, if the levels of, of glucose are too low, well, the brain and cardiovascular system uh, don't behave as they should. And uh, they say probably the diet that that will rescue us from this is the Mediterranean diet, uh, yeah. which basically has uh, just enough complex carbs as well as lean protein to maintain uh, a good health. The fats that you get from the Mediterranean diet are, are good fats. And uh, so they say out of all the diets, 
this study has determined that the Mediterranean diet uh, can come to our rescue in this area. Uh, and, uh, but that these um, low-carb diets can be very, very dangerous if not handled properly. And that's a brand-new study from the American College of Cardiology. So uh, they're warning that be very careful. You know, uh, carbs, and again, carbs, uh, carbs are great. Car- carbohydrates began life on Earth, when you think about it. You know, yeah. carbs are how life began on Earth. Uh, but complex carbs are what we need to concentrate on and try to avoid the simple carbs as much as we can. But vegetables and fruits and fiber especially can be very beneficial for, the, for the, our, to, our total well-being. Yeah, I, I start off my diets. Like I start off all my exercise programs with uh, the Charles Atlas program. That's my ease into uh, more stricter exercises. You know, it, it like sets a foundation. Uh, for me, the uh, um, high-fat, high-protein, low-carb diet is a good way to ease into my dietary experimentation because that mm-hmm. stabilizes me, and uh, it also gets my blood sugar under control. Uh, but I found mm-hmm. that adding uh, complex carbs, I, I always eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of salad, and occasionally like a yam right. or some mm-hmm. uh, brown rice uh, has been mm-hmm. helpful. Uh, what... Uh, Talking to you and and talking to some of our other guests, including Bill Hinburn, who will be on uh, later in the show, uh, about yes. the Mediterranean diet, that's basically cutting back on the red meat uh, and adding olive oil. Uh, and I can right. certainly do that. So that's my next experimentation, uh, and that's mm-hmm. what I'll be doing uh, this particular cycle. I just got myself off the uh, ease-in phase for the uh, um, Atkins-type diet, uh, so now mm-hmm. I'm going to start the Mediterranean diet. Well, yeah, and I, I personally, I think you're making a wise choice. I wanted to go to, I know we don't have much time left, and uh, uh, but I wanted to go briefly, to, and I will cover this hopefully uh, if you're kind enough to have me on uh, in the future. But I'd like to cover I, briefly the sugar diseases that are sleeping in America and how we might avoid them. Uh, you're, you're as you know, diabetes is divided into two in. types. Type 1 you're is really considered an autoimmune disease. And uh-huh. type 2 is more or less an environmental disease. Uh, uh, and the type 2, which most of us uh, uh, older people think about, it's uh, in order to get uh, cells the glucose they need, beta cells have to increase their production of insulin. With diabetes, mm-hmm. results come when the beta cells are unable to secrete enough extra insulin to overcome the tissue's resistance. That usually happens when we're consuming so much in the way of saturated fat and simple sugars the body really can't keep up. So uh, we can go into that further in the future, but I'd, I'd like to j- just give you a quick list of some of the sure. supplements that are very effective in lowering blood sugar, and that's cinnamon, uh, cinnamon, um, excuse me, cinnamon, ginger, a uh, herb called Geminima sylvestri, uh, okay. biotin, magnesium, chromium, fiber, a uh, substance called peruvate, garlic, bitter melon, and alpha-lipoic acid. All of these supplements can be very beneficial in lowering blood sugar. Uh, I personally, what I use, uh, I don't, uh, naturally we can't consume all of those uh, uh, supplements, it would be unrealistic. I like uh, psyllium husk capsules, which are very inexpensive. Uh, yeah, and apple pectin. Uh, which is very attainable. I attained mine through a company called Swan. And uh, 
It's very, very attainable. And uh, I think combining these two fibers, where one is actually a pectin, one is a fiber, have dramatic effects in lowering blood sugar. So I would just like to share that quickly with your audience. And uh, again, it's a matter of experimentation. But I have found even as far as lowering my cholesterol, uh, it has been, these two substances alone have been effective. But again, cinnamon, ginger, Geminina sylvestri in India, you probably may or may not know, is known as the sugar buster. And uh, that's an herb. Pardon me? What is that called again? Geminima sylvestri. Geminima uh, sylvestri. Uh, and I can send you some information on that. And uh, that uh, uh, can be very effective in dealing with uh, both even type 1 diabetes has been shown to be effective in some cases. Currently, I use uh, cinnamon and I use uh, the psyllium. Uh, I put them in my protein shakes. I have two protein shakes mm-hmm. a day, mm-hmm. and those are in uh, my protein shakes. Uh, the protein is mostly uh, uh, beef collagen, eggs, and uh, I found a uh, vegan one called uh, Sun Warrior uh, that mm-hmm. uh, seems not to bother me. So yeah, I, I've been using that, and I experiment with my shakes all the time. Uh, I miss okay. ice cream, so I'm at the point where my shakes almost taste like ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great. You're moving toward a place of satiation. That's wonderful. (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so very much, Michael. You're you're a semi-regular at this point, so I'm working on getting you a regular slot by uh, July. Uh, And this way we can uh, benefit from uh, your wisdom and have some really interesting uh, conversations. Uh, Thank you so very much for being a guest uh, on our show. Well, thank you. It's been an honor, and it's been a lot of fun, and I really do appreciate it, and I hope I can be of some help uh, to your audience. Uh, I'm sure you are, and you're certainly of help uh, to me. I ponder uh, your words, and, I, and again, I increase my experimentation. That's always a good thing. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Okay. Uh, be well. Before you go, please tell people how they can order your book. Yes. Uh, the book is only $3. Uh, and that's just enough to cover printing. It's a check or money order to Michael Del Rossi, D-E-L-R-U-S-S-I. That's Box 129 in Caldwell, New Jersey, and the zip is 07006. And if you send me that in a personal message, I will post it on, uh, um, on the announcements every time you're on. I certainly will, and I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much. Have an awesome day, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Yes, have a blessed week, you and your family. And to you as well. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. We're going to go to Bone Poets Orchestra's Evolve, and then we'll be back with Sword and Sandal Cinema with Brian Walker of Brian Striven Theater.
Welcome back to Voice of Olympus. Tonight is our optimal wellness episode, and we will be continuing our program with Sword and Sandals Cinema, 
featuring Brian Walker of Brian's Drive-In Theater. Today's topic is a continuation of his website, Area the Many Faces of Hercules. Greetings and welcome, Brian. How are you? I'm fine, Hercules. How are you tonight? I'm doing incredibly awesome. We missed you last month. Yes, uh, I was uh, traveling last month, and I, I did, wasn't quite sure exactly where I would be or what I would be doing um, on the first Monday at 9:30. So I thought it better. I thought it better to back off. Well, thank you very much. Welcome back, um, and I'm greatly looking forward to the peplum wisdom that you will share with us tonight. Well, you know, and I was thinking about this um, a day or two ago, and I thought we might talk about Gordon Scott tonight. That sounds incredibly awesome to me. You know, uh, in in prior episodes, we've talked uh, at length about Steve Reeves, um, Reg Park, and uh, Gordon Mitchell. But, uh, you know, one of my favorites is, is one that really hasn't been uh, the subject of one of our discussions, and I think we ought to rectify that tonight. It sounds like a plan. Okay. Um, I, I know that for you, uh, Steve Reeves is, you know, that classic archetypal Hercules, and it's hard to disagree uh, with that. But if you look at the careers um, of a lot of the actors who portrayed uh, Hercules, Batiste, Goliath, and Samson, um, most of those people – you know, were kind of plucked out of uh, out of semi obscurity and then uh, put into the peplums. Uh, Gordon Scott is different in that he had a career, uh, you know, prior to be uh, being uh, cast in the peplums. Um, I don't know if you're a Tarzan fan at all, but uh, in my yes, opinion, he. Okay, go. Well, I thought you probably were, but. In my opinion, he was in the two best Tarzan films in, uh, that I've ever seen, and I, I think I've seen them all uh, at this point. Uh, that would be uh, Tarzan, uh, Tarzan's the Greatest Adventure and Tarzan the Magnificent. I think those two you know, in the Tarzan canon are really the best uh, of the bunch. Um, you can see, uh, you know, Scott's acting skills evolve, and uh, you. Know, both movies are, are riveting, and you really can't look away from them. And, and to tell you the truth, I think Tars the Magnificent, even of the two, is probably the, the better. Um, and I think yeah, you know, some of the um, – yeah, they are. And, you know, I, I think that um, when you watch those movies, it is kind of easy to see how he fits into to Peplum's. Are you there with me? I am. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. I'm back. Um, it's easy to see how uh, he uh, you know, fit into the, the peplums so well. Um, and uh, you know, one of his best uh, of the peplums, I think, is his film with uh, Reeves, Duel of the Titans. An excellent movie, yes. It is, where you know they play Romulus and Remus, Uh and you, it's a fun uh, film to watch if you are, you know, fans of one, the other, or both. Uh, and you, you didn't often, you know, get a two for one like like you do in Duel of the Titans. Usually, these films 
will have you know one one key one key role, one major uh, player, one big star, and that one's you know fairly unusual in that it has the two, and uh, you know both actors are of at least in that film uh, a similar stature. I had George Kelmer on. Uh, he's the president of Steve Reeves International several times uh, in the past. And uh, um, he had, if I'm remembering correctly, he had said that Gordon Scott and Steve Reeves were friends and that uh, Steve Reeves got Gordon Scott into the peplums. And, you know, it's interesting when you go back and look at the history of peplums, there have been a few actors who helped so many other people. Uh, who helped to pull in so many other people? Gordon Mitchell, um, yeah, you know, uh, was one of those people who who reached out to, you know, people he knew as friends and brought them in. And uh, apparently, you know, uh, Steve Reeves, uh, you know, had a similar effect with Gordon Scott. But Gordon Scott, you know, at the time was he had a name. You know, he he had been he'd been in a different series uh, before, um, but. Um, at the time, even though uh, you know Gordon Scott was you know, had been fairly well known, uh, Reeves was the big money earner. You know, so certainly more than any of the other Peplum stars. And it was my understanding that he saw to it that Gordon Scott got the same salary that he received uh, yes. for the film. Which I, I think that. That back then was a was a hefty. I'm thinking two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which. You know, it was almost 60 years ago. That was a lot of money. Um, that would have been a lot of money for somebody, for a big star in an A, in an a picture, you know, uh, much less uh, one of the Peplins. So, you know, Reeves commanded, you know, that kind of salary and was able to, at least in one instance, to get it for Scott. That is awesome. It is, and... Um, I mean, it's a great film, I think, too. I, you, uh, whomever the producer was you know, did lavish some money on it. Uh, the photography is good. Um, the cast is really good, too, uh, you know, if you take a look at the cast. Um, you know, it's not just, you know, uh, Reeves and um, Gordon Scott. I mean, they also got uh, Verna Lisi, um, who, who became, you know, very popular uh, in the 1960s. Um, and you know it, it adds some adds some credence to the film, and I think it's you know one of the better uh, peplums certainly. I believe he was in the uh, Princess of Troy, uh, which uh, although short, is one of my favorite uh, Hercules films as well. Yeah, and that was supposed yeah, that was to be, and it was you know shot in English, which is rare you know for. Uh, I can only think of a couple of other peplums that were actually shot in uh, in English. Uh, but Hercules and the Princess of Troy was uh, done as a pilot for uh, Hercules TV series that, uh, for whatever reason, unfortunately didn't get off the ground. That would have been something interesting to see. Yes, definitely. Um, that, that but like I said... Of, that would have been way ahead of Hercules' legendary journeys, which kind of... Uh, uh, embraced and swallowed the Hercules myth and a lot of other related folklore myths and ran for, uh, I believe, seven years. 
Well, and um, almost concurrent with the shooting of Hercules and the Princess of Troy, you know, uh, we also had Ron Ely as, as Tarzan on uh, television for a couple of years. Yeah. I think that debuted in 66. And uh, Princess of Troy, uh, I think, was shot in 65. Yes. Um, we should do a, so a show I mean, on his Tarzan career as well. Just focus on the Tarzan uh, films. That's true. And, you know, um, I think Gordon Scott had also done, uh, like, a, a pilot and a couple of um, episodes of a proposed series as Tarzan. Uh, the the movie itself, uh, as you can see it now on YouTube and, you know, other um, uh What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, public domain websites is called uh, Tarzan and the Trappers. I will have to look that up. Uh, it's roughly, I think, about 75, uh, 76 minutes long. And it's actually um, a pilot and then uh, two episodes of that proposed television series all edited together. That was very common back in the day of, uh, like, Rocky Jones and Flash Gordon. They used to take several episodes and uh, reissue them as movies later on. And it was also uh, pretty popular if you had shot, you know, uh, quite a bit of footage and then the TV uh, series didn't become reality. Oftentimes they would try to, you know, pull together a TV movie out of uh, the footage that existed. Very true. When I had my low-budget uh, TV show, I tried to do the same, and uh, the movie that I made actually was composed of uh, um, a few episodes, uh, bits and pieces of them with a lot of footage that didn't make it to the TV show, uh, and I put together the movie with that. So I could, I could certainly understand uh, uh, the reasons for doing that. Well, you know, if, if you don't have a whole lot of money and you, you need to turn out some content, you, got, you have to work with what you already have in the can. So is Gordon Scott still alive uh, today? Uh, no, and um, you, over over the last 20 years, we've lost so many of the Peplum actors. Uh, you know, when I first started uh, my website, uh, and the many faces of Hercules section of my website, that is. Uh, nearly all of them were alive, and you know, sadly, we, we've lost most of them now. Uh, Gordon Scott uh, died about 12 years ago, back in uh, 2007. He'd had uh, a round of heart surgery, and he uh, just never really came out of it and passed away at the age of 80. Wow. And it's kind of a, it's a sad story too. I mean, he had um, you know uh, been you know a, a, a pretty big star. You know, once upon a time, he was even married to a big star. His second wife was uh, actress Vera Miles, who you know was in uh, you know uh, several uh, Hitchcock films, and uh, later into her career uh, was in practically every uh, Quinn Martin television show and. You know, TV movie. Uh, you know, throughout the '60s and '70s. Uh, so he really had been. You know, he he'd gotten really close. You know, he he'd been somebody uh, for a while, 
And then uh, around the time he turned 39 or 40, he just uh, kind of walked away from his acting career. Um, not a whole lot's known about his life, you know, after he walked away from his career, uh, but from that period until he died. Uh, he doesn't really appear, have appeared to have done anything. He, he didn't act anymore after that. Um, and he appeared uh, at autograph conventions for a number of years before he passed away, but um, he d- didn't appear to have any kind of visible means of support. So I'm not really sure you know, of what he did to get by, or maybe he had saved quite a bit of money uh, when he had made uh, you know, all those films in Italy. I don't know. Um, but uh, you know, toward the end of his life, uh, he uh, had been you know, living with uh, a series of different fans of his. Okay. Um, he, when I first uh, built the website, I believe he was somewhere in Arizona living with a fan, um, as I recall. And then uh, a few years before he died, he moved in, moved in with another fan, uh, in the uh, Baltimore, Maryland metro area. That's interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, and it, it's kind of sad, and I, it would be uh, nice to. It would, be, it would be interesting to hear, you know, what happened there. Uh, it would be nice to, if somebody could connect the dots. I have not been able to. I mean, I, I've been able to find uh, you know, bits and pieces of information, but I uh, haven't been able to synthesize all of it into any kind of a portrait of his uh, life um, beyond the time that he walked away from films. Um, you know, after the peplum genre died out in the mid-60s, uh, some of the actors uh, you know, kept going. Um, people like you know Gordon Mitchell, uh moved into spaghetti westerns, moved into some supporting roles and things like that. Gordon Scott did make a few movies. He made a couple of westerns. He made a couple of Euro spy films, uh, one of which is one of my favorite Euro spy films, uh, which is called Danger Death Ray. Um, it uh, originally... That sounds like uh, fun. Oh, it, it, it is. It's a lot of fun. Um Obviously, he's the protagonist in it, but uh, it was uh, aired about 25 years ago or so on uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And, you know, following it, you know, being uh, shown on that TV series, it kind of gained a cult following. And and it is a great fun to watch. It's it's really an interesting film uh, to see. And he also did one called uh, Top Secret. Um, his last film was a Western called The Tramplers, however. So maybe we could find somebody who uh, knew him. I posted several times uh, asking for friends of uh, Steve Reeves. And um, I even got a friend of uh, Sergio Chiani, a.k.a. Alan Steele, but the connection didn't mm-hmm. uh, um, happen. Uh, and I've spoken to Mark, Mark Forrest a few times. Uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe we can track down friends of Gordon Scott that can fill in the missing uh, pieces. Uh, I'll start posting that on uh, uh, Peplum Paradise and some other groups and see what happens. Well, he has a, uh, a son with Vera Miles uh, who would be, okay. I would think he would be in his early 60s uh, at this point. And I had heard that at at some point uh, in the last 20 years of, of his life, he had uh, you know, stayed with his son for a while. 
So uh, I'm going to guess that he is still uh, alive, and you know his mother Vera Miles is still alive. So you might be able to you know find you know um, his son, uh, which might be you know a, a good uh, resource. Um, that I know of, he didn't really seem to establish a lot of connections with other people in the industry. Um, you know, Steve Reeves being an exception there. I mean, I, th- I think Brad Harris may have known him uh, a little bit, but uh, sadly we lost Brad Harris a couple of years ago too. I, I know they're passing into legendary, uh, uh, and we had them among us and, uh, it would have been great if we had more contact with them. Well, and you know, it's a shame. Um, you, you lose a lot of history to uh, the sad fact that people die. Uh, yes. And, and, you know, so much of this history, um, you know, was before, you know, all of this, all of this was before social media and there wasn't great documentation of uh, all of this. And, a lot of it was left to, you know, what people remember or what people think they remember. And it's just, like I said, it's just really hard to get a, you know, an accurate snapshot uh, of some of these people, especially people who, um, you know, just sort of walked away on their own and didn't make you know, any real attempt to uh, stay in the public eye. Steve Reeves kind of dropped out of the public eye uh, with few exceptions uh, as well. And he focused on his uh, ranch. He did, but, but that's true. Uh, but he also, you know, did write uh, a couple of books um, on fitness and uh, was still, you know, a, 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 and maybe that's just because, you know, he was, uh, he became most famous in the role but uh, was interviewed fairly frequently, you know, for the rest of his life, you know, from the 70s on. Um, but, uh, you know, Gordon Scott just seemed to have walked away and had no regrets about walking away <laughs> and, you know, kind of stayed hidden, kind of stayed to himself. Uh, and like I said, you, you, you we've lost some history there, and it's a shame, you know, when it comes to the Peplos. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking through his filmography right now. I was uh, looking it up as you were speaking. Uh, but he's done quite a bit of Peplum. Uh, uh, Goliath and the Vampires, a classic. Uh, mm-hmm. Samson, Seven That's Miracles. That's a great movie. Yes, it is. Uh, Duel of the Titans, which you mentioned. Uh, he has uh, Gladiator of Rome, A Queen mm-hmm. for Caesar. I, I don't think I've seen that one. No, I, I don't believe I have either, as a matter of fact. The Beast of Babylon, oh. the son of Hercules. Goliath. The one that I have going. Go ahead. The one I have going on right now uh, was uh, retitled um, as um, Lydia versus the Tyrant of Lydia versus the Son of Hercules. Okay. Uh, but actually, if I'm correct, I, I believe it was also released as Goliath and the Rebel Slave. Um, yes. But it was it was you know seen in America as part of that Sons of Hercules series in the early 1960s. That was a very clever gimmick, <laughs> and the song inspires me to this day. Well, and, and you're right. Um, whoever you know, put the package together for syndication did a pretty good job. And 
you know, they had to uh, you know, reconstruct uh, some opening titles, but that was really about it. And they did have, mm-hmm. you know, as you mentioned, the uh, the theme song, which they played, you know, for every one of them uh, that they did. Some versions of it very long too. I remember tell, telling the whole uh, context, the whole story in in the music. And you're, you're right. I mean, he did do uh, quite a bit, or quite a few uh, peplums, that is, from, you know, the early to mid-1960s. Uh, and if you ask me, uh, he you really came into his own as an actor, especially, you know, in in the latter two or three Tarzan films that he did. Um, he was, he was you know, quite good on screen. He uh, he could act. I don't know how much training he has as an actor. I think he got a lot of it on the job, you know, especially mm-hmm. with the first uh, couple of Tarzan films that he did. Uh, but he he matured, uh, you know, into you know a really good actor. He's very believable. I mean, as a matter of fact, in terms of talent, I think he was you know one of the best. There's a picture of him in 1995 with a fan, and he looks really good. Uh, at least he did in 1995. Yeah, um, a couple of uh, people I stumbled upon um, about 20 years ago, uh, one of them he had been living with, it was one of his uh, fan hosts, uh, said that he, he liked a good drink and he liked to smoke a lot. So, uh, yeah, both of which is, <laughs> is, is pretty hard. Well, it, it can be pretty hard on your body and on your skin. Uh, but but he's but I, I've seen pictures of him from the 1990s and he aged very well. And that's that's yes. odd for somebody who smokes and drinks. Usually, if you see somebody who's you know a lifelong smoker and, and perhaps has imbibed too much. They have kind of a, a leathery, unhealthy, look, yeah. I guess I should say, look. In a raspy and voice, I, yeah. I, That too. And you don't see any of it. You don't see that in, you know, later pictures of him. He, he looks – he appears to be in fairly good shape. Uh, he looks fairly good for his age, at least in the photos that I've seen. I mean, I never got to see him, you know, in, in person, you know, late in life like that. But uh, – but uh, he se- seems to have uh, hit the genetic lottery, uh, perhaps, <laughs> M- much like Steve Reeves did. Uh, you know, if we all had that big of a head start in life, uh, we would probably be better off for it. Um, unfortunately, their tales did not, uh, their health tales uh, did not uh, end well, uh, either for Steve Reeves or for Reg Park, who's one of my. Uh, um, you know, role models um, and exemplars. Um, so, yeah, the, the life takes its toll on you. Well, and y- you know what? I mean, there's probably something for uh, for us all uh, to learn there. Um, it, it doesn't always seem fair. I mean, I've known uh, people who have taken you know, fantastic care of themselves and died at a fairly young age. And I've known people who have abused their bodies daily, and they are—they just keep going. I—I—I I, I, I don't really understand the reason for it. Um, I, I guess genetics has to kick in there somewhere. Uh, I think some people are just predisposed to longer lives, um, or maybe it's luck. Who knows? Uh, 
Yeah, who who knows? Who who can uh, say? Um, I remember when I worked in uh, um, hospitals in uh, New York City, uh, some of the doctors were heavy smokers. And back then you could smoke inside the hospital. So this is going way mm-hmm. back to the, like, 80s. Um, and uh, when confronted with, you know, how could they be doing something so unhealthy in front of their patients, uh, a lot of them would say that it's all genetics. And, uh, you know, if you're predisposed, even if you don't smoke, you're going to wind up getting, you know, something uh, later on in life. And uh, if you smoke like a chimney, you might not. So it's, it's all a lottery. So I don't know how much that to believe or whether that's been proven or disproven in the intervening years. But I remember that was the prevailing attitude back in the day when you could smoke in the emergency room. Um, so I guess it is a lottery. Uh, you know, the older I get, the, the less I like hearing that, but, but I, think some, I think at some level uh, there is. Now, that said, I, I, throughout life, it's very, very important to watch what you put in your mouth. And, you know, if you do um, you have a drink, make sure you just have the one or two. Don't have right. – you know, don't pass out. You know, don't overdo it. And the older you get, I think the better care you must take of yourself. You can get away with being a little reckless, uh, you know, in your 20s or 30s. But uh, if you're lucky enough to make it past 50, you'd better start watching every little thing that you ingest. I I totally agree with you there. And uh, um, I've written an article on it, in fact, you know, with uh, the – Theban Hercules' battle with Yeras, which translates into old age, and uh, compared it to all of our uh, um, journeys uh, when we reach uh, the age of, you know, in our 50s, in our late 60s, you know, it's a continuing battle to try to stay young. Well, I I don't, I I might not agree with, uh, you know, the statement of staying young, but just staying healthy. After a while, you want to stay healthy, and you know your youth is gone. Um, And and you know what? Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I just want to stay healthy, and I want to feel good no matter what age uh, that I am. And, you know, if that shows uh, on your physique or if that shows in your face, more is the better. But uh, I think for uh, people in our age group, I think just, you know, striving toward a healthy existence and, you know, staying uh, mobile, staying in good shape, I think those are the the two most important things that you can do for yourself, you know, as you begin to transition uh, from middle age onward. And on those wise words, uh, we come to the end of our journey. Thank you very much. Welcome back, Brian, and I'm looking forward to our next uh, conversation. Okay, we'll speak soon. Thanks, Herc. Okay, be well, my friend. You too. Good night. Good night. Uh, we're going to listen to Bone Coats Orchestra's Cry Freedom, and then we will be back with Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training.
Greetings and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. Today is our Optimal Wellness episode and we conclude the show with Physical Culture with Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training. Uh, Today's topics will be muscle control and dumbbell and barbell pros and cons. Greetings and welcome, Bill. How are you? Not bad. How are you, Hercules? I'm doing awesome. I'm making my way through the books that I ordered from you, and uh, I have enough experimentation to last me well into 2012, 2022, rather. (laughs) Good. So um, I've been doing isometrics, uh, a lot of isometrics. I've been weaving them into my uh, uh, weightlifting. I'm doing mostly uh, dumbbells and kettlebells because of space considerations. Um, and I'm really curious about muscle control. Uh, can you tell me uh, more about that particular discipline? Well, muscle control is nothing new. It goes back uh, oh, well over 100 years. Mazik probably made it more popular than anybody else uh, with his book uh, uh, and, and uh, all the different uh, controls. But he's not the only individual that... Uh, uh, well, you know, became an expert at it. There's not many around nowadays. Um, uh, there was a, a legion of them uh, back in, say, the 40s and 50s. And uh, it just seems to have uh, died out. Um, the popularity, uh, of course, uh, is interlaced with... Uh, um, you know, uh, bodybuilding display, you know, muscle display. Um, you had uh, other such uh, famous uh, uh, people as uh, Otto Arco, uh, John mm-hmm. Gremick, uh, Ed Jubinville, uh, just to name a few. And these individuals uh, perpetuated it and used it uh, again in bodybuilding for muscular display. Uh, the popularity with Mazik became popular in the uh, early 20th century. Uh, no equipment is needed. Uh, it is best most, most of the time to have a mirror to measure uh, your progress if you get the controls properly. Uh, usually a book, photographs, will suffice. Uh, the cons, I would have to say, it's a, uh, uh, it's a judgment call by the individual that's, that's observing uh, mm-hmm. what, what you're doing. And like I say, there's a variety of, uh, of uh, different controls. But for building strength... The uh, adjustable plate loading barbell and dumbbell, from an economical and uh, practical standpoint of view, uh, simply can't be improved upon. Uh, naturally, you can get uh, equipment, mm-hmm. uh, you know, large pieces of equipment, but most of the time those pieces of equipment are for only one muscle or muscle group, and that takes up a lot of room. The cons yes, with uh, uh, barbells and dumbbells is uh, uh, storage, 
and uh, of, of course space that takes up space. Years ago, when I lived in uh, Pennsylvania, um, I had a full gym in uh, my basement, and I had two uh, different types of machines. I had an incline uh, leg press, uh, I had a squat rack, and I had two benches, and then I had uh, uh, a variety, hundreds of pounds of uh, weights. Of course, uh, since we moved from Pennsylvania, I couldn't transport and store uh, all this stuff, so I wound up uh, uh, giving it away or selling it. Um, but uh, it was great to have that uh, home uh, gym, and I had mirrors in it, and I had my library uh, of uh, bodybuilding books and strength building books uh, uh, down there. Uh, now, basically, because of uh, um, room constraints, uh, it's uh, dumbbells, uh, it's kettlebells, and it's a lot of creativity. Uh, plus, I like playing with toys like the spring twister and cables and things like that. So uh, I add those to my routines just to keep them uh, interesting. Well, see, that's that's the thing. It, it depends if you have the space, if you have the money, and and uh, to justify having that investment and taking up that much space. Uh, uh, you have to use them, you know. Right. You know, it's one thing to have a barbell or and or a set of dumbbells sitting in a closet, but when you're taking up a lot of real estate in a room, uh, regardless of where it's at, it could be in the cellar, it could be in the garage, it could be uh, in a room dedicated in the house, uh, or even outdoors. But again, you have to, uh, you know, justify the investment and, uh, and the uh, space. I prefer barbells and dumbbells over uh, uh, machines, but that's just mm -hmm. my point of view. Me too. Uh, Me we too. could we could talk about that on another show. But the okay. muscle control, um, again, is uh, is uh, why why the popularity waned is uh, is uh, anybody's guess. Uh, I think people have to see it, uh, and there has to be uh, uh, um, um, some value displayed. You know, some people uh, will uh, will explain to you in no uncertain terms that it will develop strength, and it does. You know, it's very similar to uh, isometrics, and and uh, if done properly. Uh, it, it will develop uh, uh, an, an impressive amount of, uh, of strength, but will it will it go up against uh, 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 barbells and dumbbells? Well, no, because you are no. very limited with the uh, with with the controls. Barbells and dumbbells, uh, you know, theoretically, uh, there's no limit to how many plates you can put on a uh, on a bar, and in uh, uh, you know the uh, Resistance. I think a combination is probably uh, in a perfect world. A combination uh, is is a good uh, uh, a good way to train. All of the individuals that I I, I mentioned earlier, Mazik, who was a uh, uh, very strong. You know he uh, he could do such things as. Uh, um, He was a third in the world to elevate over uh, double body weight, 
Oh, wow. And 322.5 pounds at a body weight of 145 pounds. And he wasn't very big. He was only uh, five foot four. And uh, he used that. And uh, uh, like I say, uh, as far as strength goes, very, very impressive. Otto Arco was a uh, uh, not only a bodybuilder, but he was a wrestler, a hand balancer muscle control expert and uh he was also extremely strong i'm not aware of any uh movie films of mazik but uh there is a movie film of otto arco uh and he uh, does his uh muscle control display and he also uh does his hand balancing routine with his brother peter Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's very impressive. You wrote uh, John a book Grimmick on hand balancing. Pardon me. You wrote a book on hand balancing. Uh, the description yes. sounds fascinating. If I didn't have neuropathy, I would definitely try it. But with my neuropathy, uh, I don't think it's safe for me to try hand balancing at this particular point in time. No, no. Um, but it is an interesting uh, uh, way. It's very similar. Uh, to, uh, you know, well, it is a form of acrobatics. Um, And uh, as far as a feat of strength, it's a jaw dropper. If you want to impress the crowd, just just go up into a a handstand. And believe me, they'll be very, um, very impressed. Most certainly so. Uh, The muscle control... Um, I was thinking about using it as another way to become more aware of the relationship of the muscle. So, um, you know, and also to to, to work on um, conceptualizing the definition a little bit uh, better. Because uh, I find the isometrics uh, help me to um, get a sense of the muscles when they're full. So I, I do isometrics uh, usually uh, either before or after my workout. And it, it, it has taught me to tell the difference, you know, just by awareness uh, of how my muscles are doing, what needs work and what doesn't need work. So um, I found that it's helpful for that and also for uh, building uh, strength. Uh, so I'm hoping that the muscle control will help me, again, gain a greater awareness of my body and the relationship of the muscles so that I can more effectively exercise with weights. Yes, it's a uh, – it's it's. Uh something that's good to uh, weave into your uh, 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 traditional barbell dumbbell routines. I try to have fun with my workouts as much as uh, possible uh, uh, as well. And I found that what works for me, I I experimented with this uh, recently. I uh, ordered that book that you recommended on the, uh, the smaller plate, the nine inch plate book. So I'm waiting to read that. Uh, and I've started slowly easing into a more Mediterranean diet, which you had recommended. And the hardest thing of all uh, was resting for two days a week. <laughs> I had so much resistance uh, to that. And I had to do it slowly, you know, like a third right. of the day here, then half a day, then three quarters of a day, and then a whole day. Uh, but I'm finding that now that I've done that, um, I'm looking forward to my workouts even more. 
So it's like the day I have off, by the, by the end of the day, I can't wait to start my workout again the next day. So it's been very helpful. Uh, I've been trying to increase my sleep, as you recommended, as well. And there I'm still having resistance, but I've increased it by a couple of hours. Well, uh, uh, the more you like something, the more you're apt to do it and not yeah. uh, come up with excuses not to do something. Your mind will play tricks on you. Uh, oh, yeah. If you if you want to do something, you'll make excuses to do it. If you don't want to do something, you'll make excuses not to do it. And believe me, the excuses are endless in both directions. So uh, uh, it's best to keep uh, variety to avoid mm-hmm. monotony or boredom. And that can be done in a number of ways, changing things around. If you can do the activity in a, in a different environment, even a different room, or move your equipment around, there's a barbell, dumbbell set up. You don't even need a bench, just the barbells and the dumbbells. Face a different direction. Try it with music. Try it without music. Try early in the morning. Try late at night. Try in the middle of the day. And and uh, uh, this all uh, uh, changes things up. Because monotony, anything with repetitive, you know, uh, 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 way of doing it, uh, will will develop a uh, a monotonous approach, and you you yeah. you want to avoid that if you can. And and uh, keep in mind that the body, uh, humans especially, uh, we've lived for uh, you know eons, and that's not by accident. We very easily adapt. To different situations it's adapt or die and that's right. true with everything in the animal and the vegetable kingdom so as far as training or exercise or physical resistance of any kind we adapt very very well and very quickly but if you're going to get stronger you have to keep your your body and mind off balance, right. which means you you can't um, get into a routine and keep that routine, and that's part of the reason you want to train every day. Aside from recuperation, you want to uh, 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 change your routine around. Every routine is good. Every routine works. Until it doesn't. Right. When it doesn't, you know, don't fall in love with it because if it doesn't give you results, time to move on. Go to a different routine. Training is a moving target. You're not 18 years old. You're not 20 years old. You're not 60 years old. Okay? Yes, I am. So, So the whole thing is age has a lot to do with it. The body is constantly breaking down as you age, ever so slightly, okay, in any circumstance. Even if you're in, in good condition, your body is in some ways breaking down. It's a fact of life. And and uh, also uh, how you m- metabolize food. Mm-hmm. Some people, some people uh, have a, a, a certain diet. Okay, depending upon the diet that you have, has a lot to do with it. The stress in your life—that's something else. 
some people handle stress very poorly. Some people handle stress very well. And it's also subject to interpretation. Yes. The stress in your life I might find appalling. And by the same token, I might feel that's no stress at all for me. Right. So it's all it all depends on the individual, you know, for and, and the same way with training. You know, you may come across a routine or you may see a uh, uh, an individual that you, you feel is in great shape and you would like to emulate that individual. And so you think logically, if you do that person's same routine, that it will give you the same results. Well, maybe, but the chances are rather remote. That individual may have been doing that routine or some routine far longer than you have. That individual may metabolize food differently, may handle sleep differently. That person may be able to get by with very little sleep or may need a lot of sleep recuperation, okay? And uh, 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 the bone structure might be different, okay? Muscle structure. It could be a mesomorph, an ectomorph, an endomorph. And it all plays into it. Maybe a different age. What you have to do is you have to figure out what works for you. And the only way you can do that is just like you learn to swim. You jump in the water. And and that, that, that is pretty that much is how, how, it, how swim, it's done. By the way. That is how I learned to swim, by the way. My, my father threw me off a pier in Greece, and I learned to swim really fast. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing out of your mouth when you got up on land is you said, why did you, you love me? You wouldn't do that. <laughs> you can swim now, can't you? And I said, yeah. And he goes, so there you go. <laughs> yeah. But that's, uh, uh, that's how it works. Uh, you you have to uh, you have to look at things from that standpoint of view, uh, and 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 furthermore, just because a routine works today doesn't mean it's going to work for you uh, um, six months from now. Right. You adapted to it. Once you adapt, it's just like uh, if you're doing a, a particular type of exercise, say a standard barbell curl. Okay. After you train. Uh, the first day, you'll notice a certain soreness in certain muscles, okay? But that soreness will evaporate after a week or so, okay? Right. But if you pick up dumbbells one day with the same resistance and do those curls with dumbbells, the next day, suddenly, you'll have soreness again. And that's because... Stabilizer muscles become involved. With a barbell, one hand accommodates the other hand. It's like a balancing act. When you're doing Mm -hmm. a dumbbell curl, or any dumbbell exercise for that matter, that arm is on its own, okay? And it's awkward to stabilize it. So stabilizer muscles come more into play. And it's good to, you know, change up from barbell to dumbbell, back to dumbbell, say kettlebell, you know, even even mix in some body weight exercises. Um, you fool around with some of the appliances 
you know, uh-huh. crushers, expanders, and stuff like that. It's good to do that. It gives you yeah, all-around strength. It, it, and it keeps it interesting, keeps it fascinating. I, I, um, I, I basically let my body guide me and uh, see how I'm feeling at various uh, points. Uh, and now I'm doing uh, the, the, what I'm currently doing. This isn't going to be what I'm doing like a month from now, but what I'm currently doing that's working very well is do uh, three days, um, then take off a day, then do two days, but very intensive and just weights without any of the supportive exercises, uh, just the basics and as heavy as I can handle, then a day off and then go back to the, the three day where um, like one day I'll do uh, my chest, the next day the back, the next day the legs, and then add arms, shoulders, you know, wherever uh, I have time, whatever, you know, my body feels it needs. Uh, and so far that's working for me very well. And I've been experimenting with doing whole body workouts on one day, which I never liked before, but now I'm finding that I'm enjoying them. So I'm sure I'm going to ease into that next to do like whole body, take a day off, whole body, take a day off and see what happens there. I know people that do three or four exercises once a week. Yes, I I do too. I'm not there yet. You know, and and, um, that works for them, and it works very well. Why does it work? They measure it based on doing uh, um, uh, single repetitions at maximum, what what their maximum uh, resistance is, okay? So it's working for them, and that is what you have to uh, discover. Some people thrive on a on a, uh, a total body routine three days a week. God bless them. Okay, that's terrific. Other people, they need an extra day, so they'll try Monday and Thursday. Other people uh, thrive on dumbbell routines, just dumbbells. Other people need a barbell. They do compound uh, uh, movements, compound exercise, uh, uh, you know, compound muscle groups. Okay, and mm-hmm. and uh, there are those that train with uh, 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 bags, sandbags. Uh huh. There are those that train with uh, lift stones, and, and and so you you have to. You have to experiment. It's the best I can right. tell anybody is experiment. Try it. You know, some people say, well, I don't think I want to do that. Okay. Well, okay, don't. But you right. never know. You never know mm-hmm. that you might get a surprise, you know. And, and uh, you know, some people will have it fixed in their mind that, uh, you know, training with barbells and dumbbells is the only way. Well, uh, for whatever reason, that's how they feel. They're not going to change their mind unless they decide to uh, to try something different. Um, again, uh, I, I I try to emphasize this. You have to experiment. That is the key to it all. You know, uh, and when years ago when people bought a, uh, a set of uh, adjustable play loading barbells and dumbbells, could be from Sears Roebuck, could be from any of the department you. stores. It could be from uh, uh, York Barbell. It could be from Weeder. It could be from anybody. Without fail, you always got a little barbell 
uh, booklet, sometimes wall charts and what have you. And it would give you a variety of different exercises, okay? And it would give you the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It would tell you to train for maybe a half hour and do nine different exercises. And here's the wall charts. And uh, this is what you should eat. This is what you should avoid. This is how many hours you should sleep, you know. But it was a very ersatz uh, uh, one-size-fits-all, which means one size fits just one size, and everybody else is out of luck. What it did, though, is it was a very general beginner's pick it up and start moving. You have to start somewhere. And then as you move along, you'd say, well, I I prefer this exercise over this one. Or this one, uh, I'm not getting any results. And uh, these repetitions, I need to change this up. And I need an extra day for recuperation. Or I train better in the morning than I do in the afternoon or the evening. Evening was usually the the time that they suggested, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and this was all to, just to get you started. And then it's just like a salt and pepper shaker on the table. You know, you season it to taste. Right. And that's what it's all about, you know. And and uh, you learn what is going to give you the uh, the results that you're after. And some people go into the uh, weightlifting. Some people go into the bodybuilding. Some people, depending upon their body type, depending upon their preference, Okay. Some people have luck training with high repetitions or light weights. Other people, heavy weights, low repetitions. Uh, the list is endless. Just as, as there are uh, an, an infinite number of body types, there's an infinite number of ways to develop those bodies. And on that note, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to listen to King of Dreams uh, because we all have dreams and uh, we aspire to getting there. And then we'll be back with Phil Hinburn. Hail. 
and welcome back to Voice of Olympus. Today is Optimal Wellness Day, and we return with Bill Hinburn of Super Strength Training for our physical culture segment. Greetings and welcome back, Bill. Hi. Hi. Um, It's somewhat, um, it's mind-boggling, but it's, it's, it's very true that we each need to find our own way and that what people who inspired us have uh, written or what they've demonstrated uh, will be useful, but it might not be the answer. Uh, And uh, uh, that is something that uh, is difficult for many people to accept because they want the answer, whether it be in the form of a book, in the form of a guru, in the form of a pill, uh, in the form of uh, uh, an addiction or, you know, whatever. And this isn't the case on the road to optimal wellness. No, they're looking for hope. That's what it is. It's all of the uh, um, um, publications, uh, videos, etc. All of them are uh, uh, promising uh, something. Uh, uh, usually hope, and and this is uh, this is something people desperately look for, and and all of the self-help publications are like that, uh, right? You know, uh, and 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 you know this is it's very common. I mean, uh, uh, people have hopes and dreams, and these uh, these fulfill them, and and uh, whoever you pay any attention to, you you have to keep in mind that. Uh, uh, that uh, uh, it's their point of view, right? Know? And if you get somebody who has been around the park and, and knows a lot about it, 
then uh, that would be the person you would uh, you would want to emulate and uh, and listen to. Very true. And uh, um, what, as you continuously point out, uh, it, what works for one person may not work for another person. And what works for you right now may not work uh, for you sometime a little bit further on the road, and you need, you'll need to develop uh, something else. That's one of the harsh lessons that diabetes uh, too uh, taught me. Um, I believe I pushed myself over the edge by uh, trying to drink a gallon of milk a day and eat six oranges, which is what uh, pre-steroid uh, <laughs> bodybuilders were recommending. Um, but... but it, yeah. After that, I got the diabetes, but diabetes, even though it's uh, insidious and I wouldn't wish it on anybody, uh, it's kept me aware of that fact because I'll construct a diet and it'll work well. It'll work phenomenally until the day that it no longer works. <laughs> and then I have to <laughs> look at it again and look at everything I'm eating and try new things and new recommendations until I find what works and knowing again that the day will come when that won't work. So I continuously have to focus on uh, my diet and uh, make changes uh, and sometimes, you know, go through like uh, alarming periods uh, with the blood sugar, but it's a gift in that way. And I've been able it, to it, adopt that. It is. It, it's very true. Uh, I have known people with, uh, with uh, diabetes and they're constantly measuring and, and uh, 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 balancing their calorie uh, uh, intake uh, uh, especially because it's a simple sugar problem, and, right. and uh, uh, you'll notice that you know I feel that diabetes. Uh, when you hear somebody say sugar diabetes, it should be called carbohydrate diabetes, and that would make people much more aware of of uh, maintaining their weight by avoiding uh, pasta and bread. Right. You know, those are the key right there. When anybody says, uh, you know, uh, I'm having a problem losing weight and stuff like that, I said, give up bread and pasta. I didn't say cut back. I said, give it up. Give up bread and pasta. You know, but, but on the other hand, they'll say, great, if I give up bread and pasta, I can eat all I want of anything else. Well, if you... Look at it from that standpoint of view. You're going to overeat right. other items which have high calories. You can't get around the calorie thing, see? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, uh, so you're shooting yourself in the foot. But if you eat reasonably, you know, uh, eat, eat a good breakfast in the morning. Don't eat after 6 p.m., you know, and uh, 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 drink plenty of water. I didn't say eight glasses. I don't know where anybody ever got that idea of eight glasses. I don't think eight glasses is the same to somebody that weighs 100 pounds as somebody that weighs 300 pounds. Okay. Right. But it's uh, 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 drink enough water that uh, you're not thirsty. And uh, like the book will, will, uh, will describe to you when you receive it, the nine-inch plate, that will... Uh, open your eyes on a lot of different uh, uh, ways of uh, of uh, eating. Why we eat the way we do, uh, you know, if you go, for example, uh, to Europe, okay, mm -hmm. if you go to uh, Italy, okay, first thing you'll notice is that there's a lot of bicycles and a lot of small cars, 
and you don't see too many people that are overweight. <laughs> right. Because they're walking quite a bit. Plus their diet. Yes, they have pasta and they have their pizza, but it's not the kind of pizza we have here. No. They're very, very thin crust. There's not much toppings. You know, they eat differently than we do. And they have small refrigerators. And um, that means that they're going to the market constantly, which means they're walking to Mm -hmm. and from the market. Okay? And the food is fresh. And they don't eat butter. Uh, the butter is available there, but olive oil, and they drink wine. So it's just a different culture. It's altogether different over there. And that's just an example. Italy, Spain, same way. Germany, Greece. Germany has beer. Yeah, I imagine Greece being a Mediterranean country would be the same way. Um, just a different culture. You come to the United States, and the uh, uh, first thing they, they notice when they go to restaurants is how much we eat. We eat like pigs. And the obesity problem is a reflection of that. Right. I must add that I tried your recommendation of cutting back on water uh, and just drinking when I'm thirsty. Because I, I bought that thing, you know, eat, uh, drink 8 to 12 cups of water a day. And I feel a lot better. Uh, since uh, cutting down the water, uh, you know, I still drink at least six uh, glasses of water a day, uh, but I drastically cut it down, and I feel a hell of a lot better. See, uh, mammals, being what we are, we're warm-blooded, okay? Mm-hmm. Much, a lot of what we eat goes to maintain our body temperature. Cold-blooded animals, for example, uh, lizards, uh, turtles, They don't have that. They their their body temperature is regulated by their surroundings. Mm -hmm. If the if the the, uh, temperature drops too low, they go into hibernation. They become comatose. Um, They can go for a long time without eating. Eating anything. Usually, when they eat. Uh, uh, they eat uh, 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 things live, okay? Right. That's uh, how they're wired, okay? But we have to eat often, and we have to maintain a high-calorie diet in many cases because of body temperature, especially in the wintertime, things like that. Now, I dare say you would not drink as much water in the wintertime or when you're not... Uh, doing physical activity because your 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 body would not require it. When it's hot outside and you're outside, you perspire. That's your air conditioning system. Uh huh. Okay? And that uh, that in itself uh, 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 t- takes up a lot of the water, and especially when you're uh, you're active, you know, after training or something like that, you you'll perspire. Then that's when you have to have you have to replenish your uh, your water. Right. Yeah, I, I found it. Uh, it also cuts my visits to the bathroom quite a bit, so it gives me more <laughs> restful uh, sleep. So I wake up a lot less, which is uh, very welcome as well. But uh, uh, that was uh, good advice. Thank you for offering it. And it worked really, really well. 
Well, the other things is there's certain things that your uh, body uh, will will tell you. For example, if you get cramps, you know people will get cramps in their calves or cramps in their feet or cramps in their hands or something like that. Many times that is a sign that you need more water in your diet. I didn't say liquid. Some people will say, well, I'm drinking milk or I'm drinking coffee. No, that's not water. Drink water. The water is important, okay? And and uh, this, is the, this is the thing that people have to get into a routine. Sometimes when you change your diet or you change your exercise, you know, you can't expect after doing it one or two days to see miraculous results. Sometimes it takes right. weeks or months, you know. And and um, uh, uh, this is very important, uh, especially when you're adjusting your sleep. You know, if you're shaving off an hour a, a, a night, or if you're adding time to your to your uh, sleep regimen, it's the same thing. You have to you have to give it. You have to be patient, and you have to give it time to uh, to show any results. You know, it's the same way with food, you know. Uh, yes. Uh, like I said earlier with going, say, for example, to Italy or uh, the countries in Europe, okay, uh, I know that when those uh, when, when people from Europe come here, it's, uh, it's quite a bit different. And if you ask them what the differences are, they can, they can tell you. You know, it's, it's quite a bit different here. Some ways better, some ways uh, not so good. But uh, it's it's different, and it does take time to adjust. I don't know if it's the same now, but when I was growing up and I went to, to Greece fairly often, at least annually, um, people there, they worked for a few hours in the morning. Uh, then there was siesta time that lasted a few hours, and everything closed down. And then they opened, and they worked till like, the early evening. Uh, and then they spent a lot of time walking. Uh, if it was on an island, they would walk to the seashore. Uh, and then if it was a holiday or a special occasion or a weekend, uh, they would all go have a glendy, to have like a, a feast uh, at one of the local uh, eateries. And they would serve, you know, Mediterranean food, healthy uh, food, uh, and they would drink wine or ouzo. And that's what they all did. And they all seemed to be in great shape. Yeah, it was like that in Italy, too, especially when you said uh, siesta time. Uh, for example, they're not a big fan of uh, breakfast. You no. know, here in the United States, breakfast, uh, some people eat a big breakfast, you know, eggs, bacon, uh, some type of warm or cold cereal, you know, toast. Uh, you know, some people get into uh, breakfast meats and stuff like that. Not so over there. Uh, their dinner, which is their mid uh, mid uh, day yes. meal, they eat uh, uh, plenty of vegetables, meat, uh, and of course pizza uh, is part of it. It's not such a big deal over there. They may have pasta. Now, when they go to uh, in the afternoon, for example, around three or four o'clock, everything shuts down for an hour. Yeah, and then they come come back, and then uh, uh, they don't even think about supper until eight o'clock, sometimes mm-hmm. nine o'clock, and that meal is an event. That is something that you have to experience. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, they'll be sitting there for hours and mm-hmm. eating everything very slow, glasses of wine, plenty of laughter, plus plenty of uh, social interaction. It's an event, you know, and it was a lot of fun when we were there. And uh, uh, all types of food, uh, and it's it's all uh, fresh food, uh, and, and uh, 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 you know, seafood and uh, and uh, what have you. Uh, but it was all uh, uh, wonderful, and uh, and the people uh, were very friendly uh, as far as. Uh, you know their culture is concerned. It's again considerably different than here, but they—that's uh, uh, how they—that's uh, how they roll with uh, with eating. Yeah. You know? and, and again, uh, when we were over there, uh, the one thing I noticed is that I was walking on stone all the time. Yes. When I got back to America, I walked on grass for the first time in three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> everything is stone. It's ancient over there, you know, but. Uh, uh, very, uh, very, very, uh, uh, very gracious people. In Greece, there's the dancing too. When you go, when you go to these, oh, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. you sit down to eat. There's all that uh, dancing and the music, and uh, oh, uh, yeah. that's one uh, of exercise too. Zorba <laughs> <Sorber> the Greek. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, a lot of the uh, 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 the. Uh, Traditional uh, ethnic dances in Poland or uh, uh, Russian, the Cossack uh, type dances. The men, uh, uh, if you've ever, you can go on YouTube and you can see some of their uh, 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 their dancing, which is, well, you talk about a workout. You know, where yeah. they get down real, real, real low to the floor and they're almost in a squat. Yeah. They're, kicking their, they're kicking their feet straight out. Oh, yeah, jumping up and down. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I danced uh, at my son's wedding uh, not too long ago, uh, or very recently. Um, recently, I mean the past uh, couple of years. But uh, I, I got up and I got a chance to dance. I hadn't done that for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. But it's a uh, uh, it's it's a, it's a good thing to maintain those uh, those traditions. And it's the same like we started with the program uh, with the uh, with the muscle control or the uh, you know the uh, weight training the old time strong man there was a lot of tradition you know a lot of it has been lost but then there's a lot of it is trying to you know some people like myself try to perpetuate what uh, what they did and a lot of it uh, has to do with the uh, with part of the traditions and the cultures, you know, like the kettlebell. The kettlebell, you know, everybody likes to take, uh, uh, in Europe and Russia, they want to take uh, uh, credit for it. Uh, the kettlebell is nothing more than a uh, than an early uh, agricultural uh, uh, um, uh, scale weight. That's all uh-huh. it is. You know, it's, 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 it's heavy and it has a handle. Let's do this with it, you know. I mean, honestly, that's all it is. You know, uh, nobody, uh, you know, set out to, uh, well, we're going to do these exercises, so we have to make something. Uh, let's uh-huh. make this. Let's make a ball and put a handle. No, no, no. It, the, the uh, that tool already existed, but it was used uh, for something entirely for different. Something else, yeah. Yeah, it's there an are... agricultural uh, uh, um, uh, um, 
weight for measuring uh, uh, scale weight. Okay. Uh huh. And that's. Uh, and there are also d weights now. They're calling them. They're like hand weights. They're almost like the ancient Greek uh, uh, version of the dumbbell. And yeah. as with kettlebell, and I, I play around with my dumbbells. Like I'll, I'll put unequal weights on each size. I find that just having the center of balance different, it gives you a totally different experience. So uh, I have a, a five pound pair and I use them when I'm warming up. And I find that that really energizes me and adds something to my warm up period. Well, you can get a great deal of exercise from five pound weights. Uh, yes. You can use, uh, they can be five pound cast iron weights. They can be Indian clubs. You know, if you know what you're doing, uh, you can uh, you can get a great deal of uh, of uh, valuable exercise from that. Uh, as as far as the dumbbell, okay, uh, that in itself goes way back to the Egyptians. If I'm not mistaken, they have uh, uh-huh. drawings and people have these. Uh, I forget the name that they had for them. Uh, if we can only remember, but they are a. Uh, um, uh, an ancient uh, 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 exercise tool, you know. Uh huh. And uh, this was used way back in the day, you know. Um, uh, they look like a curved piece of uh, 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 stone. Uh-huh. Uh, I think they were, oh, I know what they were called, halters. Halters yeah. is what they were I'll called. Yeah, in Greek they were called, yeah. Yeah, and and they are, uh, and you'll see them uh, in, in, in Greek uh, um, architecture and uh, drawings. Right. Uh, they're a curved piece of, uh, of uh, stone or what have you, and uh, look, look like a telephone uh, receiver. Uh-huh. You know, the big, you have the, uh, the uh, uh, of course, I think some of your listeners may not know what a telephone receiver is nowadays. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, but oh, anyway, no. you have the part that you talk into and the part that you listen from, uh-huh. you know. But that's, uh, I, that's uh, uh, what they were called, halters. And, uh, I just looked at from, the time. We're, we're a couple of minutes till the end of the show. I was having such a great time. I'm sorry. Um, that's quite all right. And to be continued, um, how can folks uh, access your site and find all the wonderful things there? And how can they subscribe to your um, free newsletter? Because I find that invaluable in my uh, a quest for optimal wellness. Thank you very kindly, Hercules. They can They can find me on the Internet at www.superstrengthtraining.com. And uh, you just simply go to that link, and you will see a box, a sign-up box, in the top right-hand corner of every page. And you simply put your name and your email address and uh, click sign up, and you're on your way. And And, uh, you'll uh, get something in your box almost daily, and it's yep. always great advice, and uh, it echoes a lot of what uh, Bill was talking about uh, here. We have like a minute. Can you give our folks at home who are 
striving towards their own version of the optimal uh, wellness and an optimal physique? Uh, any advice you can leave them with? Everything in moderation. Uh, I'm not suggesting, uh, you know, uh, 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 continuing any type of bad habit, but moderation. Eating moderately. Exercise moderately. Don't kill yourself, okay? Your routine should be done in a half hour or less, three days a week, possibly two. If that's too much, recuperate. Take another day. It should be enjoyable. Drink plenty of water. Eat the proper foods. You'll get results. If you don't, change your routine. You have to have the proper attitude. Thank you, Bill. You're awesome. I always look forward to our our conversations. They're always too short. And uh, thanks to all who are listening at home now in the near future on demand. Until next time, this is Bill and Hercules wishing you joyous journeys and awesome adventures. for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid.